0: part of that prayer meeting that house church uh, started this church in mojo which was the first church in mojo and uh, it's called mkc i i think the word is minaret de cristo which is foundation of christ and so they call it mkc church or uh, mk church so that's this church this church had uh, amazing worship music they had a three-piece band and I know there's music on top of music so this is not ideal but they've got a choir and they had hundreds of people there no AC no insulation on the roof just a metal roof barely had any lights in there the restrooms are oh, absolutely horrid. But you can see the faith of the people. <laughs> if you look up at the trust systems, too made out of poles. A lot of people there, they sit in those plastic chairs. All right, so this is something there, like I said, it's music on top of music, but you, you can still see. This music to me was so moving. It was powerful. I didn't understand what they were saying. But one of the things that I said was you know, the spirit that dwells in me. When I encountered the spirit that was there in their worship, that spirit testified to the spirit of the worship. So he's playing the keyboard, um, drums on the keyboard.
1: Yeah, so a lot of the
0: same. this is jackpot <laughs> I, I so appreciate this. We got the big drum out. <laughs> it was beautiful. So then, obviously, everywhere we go, Gatana, he's, um, he's going to preach. He's going to bring the word. Again, I don't understand all what he's
1: saying.
0: Look how many people are there.
1: A lot of people
0: walk. Church. Um, not many people can afford a vehicle,
1: and if they do, it's like
0: a you know, the fifties from the, 50s, from the not, maybe not that old, seventies, eighties. Yeah. So there's a there's two that are really popular. Um, there's the Amharic and then I think Oromo or something like that. And I think if I'm correct, uh, the Amharic people. Or um, pre- predominantly Christians, and the other one is predominantly Muslim Does that speak it. So this particular church, I think on this day, they took up an offering that was um, like three thousand U.S. dollars, uh, and and their money was like two hundred and something thousand dollars. Uh, so Ethiopian burr. So I thought that was pretty crazy and they took it up um, to buy a new keyboard because the one that they have doesn't play it only so you can't play the keyboard with it so this is more of the same so
1: this
0: reception in the room, the so, um, Gatana hadn't seen these people in a long time, and so a lot of the founding members were there to greet him. They gave him kind of like a ceremony where they have the traditional Ethiopian coffee. Um, that's how they make it there on the ground. Um, they roast the beans right there in the room, so it's very fragrant. And sometimes on a, in an intimate setting, they would bring that, that pot of roasted beans around and all that smoke and aroma, you would just do this, and they would pass it to each person, and it's just a way of saying, you know, I guess, you know, this is what we're about to partake of, this is the goodness that God has, that's what I took from it, and when I'm talking to you a little bit later about Galilee's family, her mother did that for us, very intimate setting, just us and the family in their small, humble household, and what I said about that was like, the aroma of that coffee making is like the goodness of, of the fragrance of their faith in that household. It just kind of, that picture there. But at, at the bottom, there in this pot, they are making popcorn. So they make popcorn a lot there for ceremonies like this or just, you know, when they have people together. Very much a culture of food, very much a culture of sharing, inviting. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, some of the best food, obviously some of the best well-known coffee in the world. And then it surprised me that they were making popcorn, but they don't butter it, they don't salt it, it's just popped corn, and it's still really good. So you got popcorn, coffee. They also made this huge round loaf of bread that has kind of some herbs in it. I don't remember what it was called. Um, but they cut that up and distributed it. So everybody in this ceremony was eating and drinking bread, popcorn, coffee, and they were just, I'm sure they were... Telling stories, of catching up, and so that's what this was. Founding members, and this is Jed. And this is more at the MKC Church in Mojo, Ethiopia. So these little kids, they love Jed. So we took some pictures. This little boy on the uh, well. On your right, I guess. What is what is that? Left or right? Yeah, he would not, he would not smile. I kept trying to get him to smile. So this right here is more of the Ethiopian culture, which is to me disgusting, but um, they love it, um, and they are eating raw. The meat that's just been there, there's flies, (laughs) but that's the way they do things there. And it's a delicacy for them, they love eating that this particular meal. They don't cook it, they just dip it in some sauce and they eat it. But look how sharp those knives are, I thought that was awesome. He's about to pay him the money. Look at that big old stack of money. Those are all two hundred dollar bills. <laughs> so seems pretty expensive. But there's that injera bread. That uh, injera it was made from teff, and then you can see them in the background cutting up the meat, and they're about to eat it. There there they go. No, they said, don't eat the meat. They said, you'll get sick. But they've been doing it for, ever since they were little. Uh, Funny story about this restaurant. um, Happy Birthday came on while we were there. I was like, whose birthday is it? (laughs) And I was asking them about it. And they said, oh, they just have it on like a shuffle. They have no idea what's playing. (laughs) So... Happy birthday was playing, country music was in the background. It was it was pretty funny. I think so, I think they probably have like tapeworms and stuff like that. I think that's why they eat a lot, but they don't like really gain a lot of weight. So, I think they probably have parasites. That's what I would guess because that's what he was telling me. It's like if you eat it, you're more likely going to get a tapeworm and you're going to have a hard time getting rid of it. So, I would advise you to not eat it, but you're your own person, so you do whatever you want. So what he said. So I was like, okay, I won't eat it. Thank you for, for letting me know. Um, but check this out, though. This I did eat some cooked meat. That was really good. That right there was really delicious. Same meat, just cooked. So hopefully it killed the parasites. And then that was like ground beef down there. They drink a lot of um, mineral water everywhere. You, so this, everywhere you go, they're drinking bottled water. They're not drinking uh, tap water. Did you ever see, or did anybody ever eat bananas while you were there? Yeah, I ate bananas. We did not eat bananas. There were no bananas served
2: anywhere, but they're like hanging everywhere in
0: the market. Yeah, so it's a tropical environment, so they got bananas, pineapples, mangoes papaya. They told us not to eat any uh, like uncooked produce but stuff that was wrapped up was fine, you know, like fruit um, but no lettuce, no tomatoes, stuff like that. Um, so in the in the hotels we had a huge breakfast buffet every single, it was like an international hotel that we stayed at. Very classy and they fed us really well. So this was a, uh, this is actually a um, Galilee's dad, which I don't know. Do you know his name? I don't know. Getting it, okay. So he's getting getting that uh, produce right now. Papaya. This is Galilee.
2: That's the wheelchair we were able to get to her.
0: Yeah. So Christ Fellowship sponsored that wheelchair. Uh, literally, one of the the nice nicest families I met while I was there. They're very sweet people. Um, the the mother is part of the um, what's that church there? I can't, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Coptic Church. She's part of the Coptic Church. So I've got a video that I did of her. So I mean, just look at how he's just loving on his daughter. I'll tell you something about him too. Um, so the streets of Ethiopia, especially in Addis, the capital, it's like a free for all. So like we have stop signs here, stop light, traffic lights. We stay on the right side of the road. We stay in our lane. It's not like that there. They drive into oncoming traffic. They go around vehicles. They pull out in front. So like if, I mean, otherwise they wouldn't be able to get anywhere. Um, because there's so many people. There's so many vehicles on the road ranging from little tuk-tuks, three-wheel, little carts, uh, to big old, almost like 18-wheel, or not quite as long, but just massive uh, construction trucks to regular vehicles. And they're all trying to get to where they're going. And so they have a system there. It's just very chaotic. They're honking the horn. They're saying, hey, I'm coming right here. Beep, 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 beep. And you don't come in, you know, And they just zoom, and they they get by. Um, I had the opportunity to ride with a bunch of different taxi drivers. Some of them ranging from like I never want to ride with you ever again because you're just crazy, to this guy. Um, When uh, this is the first time I met him, and it's not like they give you they don't break down like Hey, you're gonna this is Galilee's father. He's a driver, and we're going to his house. Like you have no information. You don't know who this person is. It's just that you know that Gatana says it's okay to go with him. So from the moment that I met him, getting it, um, very kind. His car is super clean. It's 36 years old, but it's very clean, very well taken care of, and just the way that he drives. So there's people that are walking in the streets that are just coming out in front of you. He's one of the only drivers that I ever... Rode with that actually preferred pedestrians, would let pedestrians go by. The other people would just honk and just keep on going. Just watch out, watch out, I'm coming. Don't don't walk in front of me. And I could just tell by the way that he was driving that he was he was driving super cautiously, and he a- acted like he cared about other people. <laughs> and some other drivers just you know it was all about I'm going where I'm going and I need to get there. So that was one of the things in. So from there, we get to his house, and I finally put together that, okay, this is where you, you picked us up. He's a taxi driver for a living, and he's taking us to his home, and we're going to meet Galilee. So I didn't, wasn't able to put that all together until we were actually there. His home was very humble, no frills. Um, I think they had electricity, but the excellence that was there... So one of the ways that I judge where I go is the restrooms. Um, everything was put in order. Everything was old. His car was 36 years old, clean, versus, like, I feel like I'm going to get lice from this vehicle over here, dusty everywhere, um, not very well taken care of. Is this vehicle going to make it to where we're going type thing, to where his was just like... One, Literally, I'm not joking. It's like more smooth than some cars that I've ridden in in the United States, but it's 36 years old. So just like everywhere that we went, there was just excellence around every single corner. Clean house, clean restrooms, one of the cleanest restrooms I've ever been in, uh, that I had ever been in there. Um, The kitchen was all put together. And um, so I got to share some time there. The mother was really sweet. She took some time. There's to actually tell me the names of the ingredients of the meal that she was making. So she was chopping up beets and jalapenos and just, uh, I don't even remember what else, uh, probably onions and things like that, putting them in a uh, dish, um, preparing um, for us to eat with her later on. So, I mean, I can't say enough about them. I mean, just look, I mean, it's like pictures picture is worth a thousand words. This is the very, very simple meal that that we were eating. I think this was like one of five meals that we ate that day. There's no shortage of food there. Um, I think I got sick because we ate so much, Um, which, you know, I had stomach pain. I wasn't like throwing up or anything like that, but it was like a sharp pain. So I did eventually, like halfway through the trip, I switched to their uh, Italian meals that they had there, which was, so I was eating a lot of pizza and uh, some pasta, and uh, it was just, it helped me feel better. So, but that's, um, you know, what they had on hand. They had a little garden. I don't know if they grew all of this, but um, it was very good, very delicious. Oh, and, you know, I'm going to run out of time, but... Again, like I said, every single story. This is another, this crazy story. And I'll try to do it justice, but try and go faster. Um, This lady, uh, Wasani, Gitana's wife, actually read about in an article in either a magazine or a newspaper. And she was, she, uh, somebody in Idaho named London heard about her story and took out this ad in a newspaper or magazine which Gitan, um, wasani read and it was saying if i don't get help i need to get to india or otherwise i'll die in two months she had like 80 percent blockage in her heart and they needed to to do that procedure where they unblock the arteries and she didn't have any money and so she was going to die in two months what the doctor told her if she didn't get this procedure done so people here in the united states were trying to help her raise the money Wasani sees it, tells Gatana about it. Gatana immediately calls her and says, so the story there was they had somebody who was supposed to go to India. This is where she wanted to go. And they had raised the funds for that person. And then at the last minute, the lady backs out and says, I can't go to the tri- on the trip to India. So they have the funds specifically to go to, to India. So Gatana says, hey, we have the money. When do you want to go? She said, I'll go tomorrow. So literally things that fast happened for this woman to get to India. So she has the surgery. She stays there for three months. The story doesn't end there. So she's obviously alive. She's doing well. She has kids. So the doctors told her, you're not ever going to be able to have children because your heart cannot handle that stress. And if you do, either your children will die or you will die. And so she gets pregnant. The doctors get upset with her. The first time, she has the baby. The baby doesn't die. She doesn't die. It's a miracle. She gets pregnant again. Eleven months later, she's having another baby. This time, the doctor slaps her and says, What are you doing? You know you're not supposed to have children. You're gonna die, or the baby's gonna die. The baby doesn't die. She doesn't die, and now she has three children. So it happened uh, third time. So I think her children are like nine, six, and four, or something like that. So very sweet family. Again, this is another place we ate at. Um, again, they just want they want to make you feel welcome, make you feel at home, so they feed you a lot. So these are her little kids. Uh, This right here is pretty awesome. This is at the uh, Watch and Pray house. And this is in Adama, which is Gatana's hometown. And we went to this meeting. And again, I never know what we're doing. Um, So I thought these people were all Christians, but they're not. They're all Muslims. Um, And Watch and Pray ministers to the Muslims in that community. Again, 90% Muslim area. So it's... The conditions there are extremely uh, you know there's a lot of poverty everywhere and you're driving through dirt roads that I mean you just think about third world country um, they don't have a lot of what it takes for life and um, I don't know what happened Did it time out maybe but um. I don't know. I know it's plugged in. So anyways, the cool thing is that when they bring all these people together, these Muslims, they're giving them food, they're helping them with clothing. Um, The husbands don't go, but they say, it's okay for my wife to go. It's okay for my children to go. And as we all know, they're encountering the gospel when they go. And so that's the one of the most beautiful things there. So this group of people I thought was Christians, they're all Muslims. And they're getting up and giving testimony about God's goodness um, because of what Watch and Pray has done in their lives, how they have provided for them. And there, there was like maybe 10 people that got up and that were sharing in front of everybody. And everybody was just clapping and like... That's some of the the work that I didn't realize that they were doing there, which I thought was extremely powerful. Again, this is coffee being roasted. Smells so good. And this is one of the Muslim women that is testifying of God's goodness. She may not have said it like that but it's really what she's doing. So this is Wasani's sister, Gitana's uh, sister-in-law. This is one of Gitana's best friends. Again, he um, persecuted Gitana, actually, and was throwing rocks at him every time they would come. Um, he's, he grew up as his next-door neighbor, and so when he would be there at his house and have people come and pray and worship at his house, this guy would be throwing rocks at him. Like He said, I would just do anything to just get him to shut up, get him to go away and stop doing what they're doing um, because he wasn't a Christian. And so now he's a Christian um, because of Gatana's faithfulness and their best friends, childhood friends. Very, very uh, loving man. His name is uh, uh, Solomon. This guy, just took a picture. He had... A <laughs> He had a Minnesota shirt on. This is us sleeping on the plane. Jed. Just messing around. (laughs) This is over the desert on our trip to... um, the. That was uh, in the desert. We're flying over the desert. It's a one-hour plane flight, but like eight-hour or ten-hour by um, vehicle. And I think they should keep flying. Well, they're, they're talking about if they can get a vehicle, they'll, they'll drive that eight or ten hours. It's cheaper. I don't know, though. So we get to Dredawa, which is an hour plane flight from Addis. And then from there, we go see the hyenas. This right here, Pastor Jeff hooked me up with. That's my passport and all my money in there. That was really helpful. This is us in Dredawa eating ice cream. Best pizza I had on the trip. Delicious. I can't remember who this lady was, but she was somebody special. I've been a part of the ministry there in a long time. We joked. This is a SpongeBob SquarePants um, toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, not everywhere you went had a toilet, but when it was nice to see toilets on the trip because sometimes it was the squatty hole. Yeah, this is the rig that I had. This is Jafar. They're playing video games. So we just had a good old time. Yeah, this is on on the road back from Adama, back to Addis, where we were staying. Playing video games. Selfie time. Jed, being 24 years old. This was at one of the best hotels I've ever been at in my anywhere. Um, if I don't hurry up, I'm going to run out of time. I think I'm pretty much out of time. This was another special group of people. These were orphans that Gatana helped raise. They're in their 20s now. Some of them have gone to college. Some of them are doctors. Some of them are uh, architects. Um, uh, what's uh, uh structural, like, engineers. And um, so they came. He brought them together for a banquet to celebrate. They were giving testimony of what it was like sharing stories growing up on the streets. Um, And again, they're just a tight-knit group of people because they grew up together. They took care of each other. And um, now they're adults. Some of them have children. Some of them... The the thing, though, that um, was sad about this meeting was... As they were sharing all this stuff, they saw me there, and I was there to document what was happening. And apparently, um, one of the gentlemen there said, you know, you've done this before where you bring in uh, somebody to document us and, and tell our story, and then nothing happens. And so that was a, a hard word for Gatana. And you know, his you know, rebuttal of that is, you know, it's not that easy um, there have been board changes. You know, the board of directors decide what happens with who, and you know, so if they said one thing and it didn't get to happen, that those words, you know, live in the in the hearts and minds of those people. And he's saying, you know, I've been, you've been here before, and you said you're going to help us. You know, primarily with finding jobs, even though they've gone to college. They're having a hard time finding jobs, which was kind of what this conversation, this meeting on this day, kind of sparked the idea of... Um, because we, could, we can send money, and we could perpetually do that. I don't think that's what these people need. These people are intelligent. These people love the Lord. These people have callings and giftings. Um, what I would like to see and what I would like to do eventually is to s- help them start businesses um, because it's uh, more honorable. It's, um, you know, they are hard workers. I'm telling you, the craftsmanship of all the buildings, just their their um, excellence, their spirit of excellence. I mean, these people are capable people. Um, and if they had the opportunities that we had here. Um, so that's one of the things that I am kind of Working on developing relationships with key people, you know, doing um, market analysis, studies of things that we can actually implement there for them to run and make a living for themselves and not just make a living but actually produce profits so that way they can sow back into their own communities where you have these orphans. Um, so, this conversation kind of led me to start thinking like that. Um, and Gatana was, you know, helping us brainstorm what we could do. So this is a special group of uh, orphans, and they they had a feast. And you know, more worship from Jed. Um, how are we doing on time? All right. What time is it? Is it pretty much ten fifteen? All right, I'll show you a few more pictures, and then I'll... So this is the gas stations. They look like a lot like what we have here, except uh, only one pump works. <laughs> so you can see we're in a long line of cars. This is kind of some of the nightlife. It rained one day from... We were on the seventh floor. which, By the way, we had a fire alarm go off, so we had to run downstairs one night. That was kind of creepy. But it ended up somebody was just smoking hookah, a hookah, and set off the fire alarms. This was one of the best nights there. This is Pastor Fraser and his wife uh, right next to him, and then his daughter and the black. Um, they uh, so Pastor Fraser's the uh, director of the board or watch and pray there. It's their anniversary, 17 years. They invited us to be a part of that. Um, and then it was just an intimate setting that he had his kids there and uh, his nephew. Um, and then Jafar was there as well. And then us two Americans Gatana. Gitana. Um, and they just shared with us. We got to share, you know, they always want to hear, what do you think about Ethiopia? What, you know. And so we got to share about, you know, what we liked about it. They shared with us. We sang, um, basically, what I told them is, you know, I can see that God's church is alive here in Ethiopia. His bride is alive here in Ethiopia. And I can tell that by the love that you all have shared with me. I literally, when I was sick, they took me to the pharmacy. They were trying to make me feel better. They, I, I wanted for nothing. And um, the way that they just opened up their hearts and their lives and included us. We went to a wedding Didn't know the people. They were like, get in our pictures because it's special that you're here. We want to commemorate this. I mean, just, you know, like I think about life here. It's, it's, you know, if I had went to somebody's wedding unannounced, you know, we could be considered rude. You know, and and I don't think that we would have been invited to be in their pictures on their special day. But it's just like their cultures. Um, But it's really Christ in them. And that that was what I was sharing with him. And I'm getting emotional now because I was emotional then. And it's just so real and tangible. Um, So that was, this this night was a special night because we got to share those things in an intimate setting. And um, they understood it. Um, This is Pastor Fraser's um, daughter. She's um, Meba, I think is her name. And his son, I can't remember the son's name. But she wants to live in America. So some of them want to move here. Um, But yeah, I mean... They're different, but they're just like us, you know? They're... They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is my brother, Jafar. Gear. And, you know... More of the streets. So this is me buying earrings for joy at a little shop. Spices. I mean, look at that. that whole, the whole bag's full of spices. One of the sweetest things that I saw on the trip is on this clip. But So let me back out of here. I'll show you these last few videos and then we can be done if we have enough time. dad or a brother just loving on his son or his brother. So this is the, what it's like there in Addis. A lot of people, a lot of vehicles, a lot of shops. This is the watch and pray video. Some of you may have seen this one. So these are the orphans that live on the streets. You see them with their grain sacks. They're going to collect bottles. The voice in the background is the lady singing. This was in Addis. Wow. No parents. All they have is them, each other, and watch and pray. And then the last video I'll share is um, the one at Galilee's uh, family. kids at home Christ Fellowship gave. that sweet family. Um, You know, earlier I made a comment of, you know, if we send them money, um, you know, that may not be the best thing for them. In this particular case, this man is a hard worker, and he works as hard as he can. And yet they still have real needs that are not met, even though he's out there doing everything he can. So in this instance, I think what we're doing is actually honorable and honoring them and honoring the Lord. Um, It's not like that in every instance. So in every instance, use wisdom. In every instance, pray and ask God for His guidance through His Holy Spirit. But you can see that they were extremely touched by the funds that we sent as a church across the world. And it's having an impact for them they asked that I would share with you all. um, They said they're extremely thankful. They know that ultimately God is their provision, but that it takes people to do the work of God. And so thank you for being willing to be used by God in that way. And that money was extremely timely for them. Um, And so they wanted to just make sure that you all know They know that God's their provision, and they're extremely thankful for your willingness to be used by God um, to send them finance, uh, help financially. So, Anyways, that's pretty much all the time we have. Um, We can pray again, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for giving us life, and we thank you for the powerful stories and testimonies that we have seen and heard here today. Father, I pray that they would not be far uh, removed from us as we go on about our lives. Um, And I know that you continually uh, bring up um, Ethiopia in my mind and my heart. Um, I pray that you would help us to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that we would um, earnestly seek you on how we can partner with them, how we can um, share what you have given to us with them um, through prayer and financially. In um, any other way that you see fit, Father, I pray that you would help us to establish and understand what that looks like. Um, Father, and we, um, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for these stories. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I did, while I have you here, I'm sorry, one more thing. I did want to say thank you so much. Um, I know many of you gave, uh, not specifically to get me over there, but for the equipment. Um, that was purchased. Um, We are still working on the documentary for Gitana's Life Story, and we still have some shooting to do and things like that. So the plane ticket was bought by uh, somebody, I believe, in Midland, but a lot of you here in this congregation gave uh, towards the purchase of equipment so we can actually film and record there. Um, So I wanted to say thank you very much for... Doing that and for again being willing to be used in God, uh, by God in that way. So, thank you all very much. And that's all.
2: Thank you for going. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah I, I didn't show anything about the hyenas in there. I know. Yeah.
3: All right, good morning, everybody. If you'll make your way to your seats, we're going to have just a couple announcements, all the regular stuff. Well, not all the regular stuff. Wait, hold on. I only see one of them in here. There's the other. Today is Ellie and Jesse's birthday, so don't forget to tell them happy birthday today That's a a special thing to have uh, somebody on their birthday coming to worship with us. That's that's wonderful. Um, So a couple things. All the regular things are still going on. Um, Next week, uh, this morning, we had uh, Joshua share about his trip to Ethiopia. Um, It was a wonderful time. Uh, Next week, we're going to have another kind of uh, odd Sunday school. We're going to be having a conversation on evangelism and apologetics, um, specifically in light of the coming Pride Festival. Um, So come prepared for that, maybe bring some questions if you have any, or uh, if you're interested in that conversation, we're going to have still meeting on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. going over history. Uh, We just covered kind of the birth of Christ and his life. Um, So it's a wonderful time there. And then men are still meeting at 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Friday mornings, just reading through the Bible together and discussing as we go. Um, That's a wonderful time as well. Uh, The last thing today, um, some folks from Family Worship Center and a couple other churches in the Elgin Bastrop area have invited us to... Join them in a prayer walk through the Bastrop Pride event. Wow. Um, so uh, Pastor Ripple and um, whoever else would like to go, uh, he's leaving at 3 o'clock, and they just walk through the Pride event praying. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily anything um, quite like what we have done here in Taylor in the past, but it's, it's a good thing. And it's, uh, they've been joining us every uh, second Sunday for psalm sing um and they have been to some of the pride events here so it's good to um be supporting each other uh, like that so uh that's that's the last thing let's begin worship
4: good morning christ fellowship church Blessings for you this morning. Are you blessed? Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We lift up our hearts.
5: We lift them up to the Lord.
4: This morning, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars to which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord.
5: Thanks be to God.
6: Come let us return unto the Lord. Come let us.
2: Our confession of sin this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, Thanks be to God. You are invited to kneel if you are able. Heavenly Father, by Jesus Christ, you are making all things new. We live now in Christ, who is the regeneration, the new creation. We confess that at many times and in many ways, we see the old ways and the death and the corruption, and so we doubt, just like the disciples who could see the resurrected and reigning Jesus, but could also still see the perverse and adulterous Jewish leaders and the oppressive Roman Empire. These disciples could not deny the first fruits of the regeneration standing in front of them, but they still could see and feel the corruption and death and barrenness all around them. And yet, it was right here where Christ commissioned His people and assured us that all authority in heaven and on earth, this groaning earth, had been given to Him, and therefore... For he commands us to go disciple the nations. We confess that we still doubt today as if we were yet alone and without a reigning king. We have disobeyed the command of Christ because we have not believed his authority or his promise or his inheritance. Father, forgive us. Give us boldness to therefore go and disciple the nations. They belong to Christ. We believe. Help our unbelief. We know if we regard iniquity in our own heart, our prayers will be ineffectual. So we pause to confess our individual sins to you now. Rise and lift up your head and receive the good news. Psalm 32, verses 4 and 5. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Beloved, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. By this gospel and the sure word and perfect work of Jesus Christ, I can declare to you that your sins are forgiven.
5: Thanks be Be to God.
6: Be thou my vision me
2: This time we would like to uh, invite you to prayer if there is anything that you need prayer for this morning. um, We'd like to pray with you, whether that be a physical need, emotional need, or a spiritual need. Is there anyone here you would like prayer this morning? Yes, sir. Right. All right. All right. Well, let's pray for Nancy right now. Father in heaven, we lift Nancy up to you. Father, we thank you that you give us the privilege to come boldly to the throne of grace. We come before your throne today and we lift Nancy up. And we ask God that you would touch her body right now. Touch her heart and cause her heart to beat. Incorrect, in perfect rhythm. Father, whatever's creating this afib, Father, would you please resolve that so that her heart would beat normally? Father, I just pray your peace over Nancy right now. I pray, God, that you would cause your peace that would surpass understanding to flood her very being. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Jan, how is your heart? Well, let's pray for you. Come on. Jan is uh, going to the doctor in the morning because of fibrillation in her heart. She's already had multiple procedures and has a pacemaker. And we're thankful for those things that doctors can do. But we call upon our greatest help and our greatest physician. Father, we ask that you would, even right now, God, touch Jan, touch her heart, cause it to beat in perfect rhythm. Just as we pray for Nancy, Father, we pray for Jan. and We ask, God, that you would pour out your grace and your peace. Father, that you would keep her in perfect peace. Father, when that heart starts beating out of rhythm, you would just cause peace to reign in her heart, her mind. Father, we pray that you would touch her and that this heart would beat correctly. We thank you for all that man has done, all the technology that's even in her body right now to help her heart beat properly. Father, we call upon you our greatest help, our greatest help in our greatest time of need. We ask God that you would touch her and heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. Any other needs here? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Would you guys maybe would you mind coming down just as a family and we just love to, to pray with you? Amen. Amen. Oh, Father, I thank you for my brother here. I thank you for his faith. I thank you for this family. I thank you for the priest of this home. Father, we lift him up to you. And we ask, God, that in your grace and in your mercy, you would bring healing to this body. Cancer is a name. Yours is the name above all names. And Father, we do pray for his healing, and we do pray that you would be glorified as our brother walks through this fiery trial. And Father, you do not allow us to go anywhere. You do not guide us anywhere that you do not provide for us. And Lord, I know you will provide your all-sufficient grace as he walks through this valley of shadow, as He walks through this fiery trial, and the promise You give to us is that You are with us. When we pass through the waters, when we pass through the fire, You are with us. Death has no power over Him. Death cannot... It can touch Him, but it cannot have Him. Father, it's appointed unto all of us To die once. But you have defeated death. Lord Jesus. And so father we pray. For healing. We pray for strength. I pray this for this husband. I pray this for this wife. I pray it for this son. I pray God. That you would. Guide this family through this. And be glorified in it. Every step of the way. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Can I pray for you, my wife? Thank you, Lord. Father, again, cancer is a name. Lord, we call upon your name to heal, to heal this body, to heal her blood, to heal her bone marrow, to heal her stem cells, to heal everything that's not right in this body. We ask God that you would bring your healing. We ask God for strength. We ask God that you would strengthen her body, her mind, her spirit. I pray that for myself, for our entire family. For everyone, Lord, warring and walking through this battle. Lord, for all here facing Lord, these diagnoses and these things that that man tell us. Father, we hear what man says, but we look to you because you alone are our hope. So we call upon you, God. To bring the only hope we have. That you, Lord Jesus, that you would make right what man cannot make right. That you would heal what man cannot heal. We ask this, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone else, you're here and you would like prayer. Yes, ma'am. Okay, John, all right, Father, we lift John up to you and we ask that you would heal this man, Lord, whatever damage has been done in that heart, whatever father is not right in that body, we ask that you would provide your healing touch and reorder, recreate and restore what sickness and disease has destroyed Father, we pray that healing, virtue over John, and we pray your peace, you would pour that out upon him in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, sir. I just want to pray for my father's salvation. Amen. Sure. Well, Father, we lift up Giovanni's father, Sal. Lord, what a delight to meet him last week. Father, we pray for his healing. Lord, the healing that you bring to us in Jesus Christ. We so often pray for physical healings, and I believe that is right. And You give us that privilege. But Lord, the healing that you give to us is not just a physical healing. It is a complete healing, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, the reason we know there will be no sickness or disease, pain, or suffering in heaven is because you have already paid the price for that, to provide for us a wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. And Lord, that begins right here on this earth, so we do pray that for Sal. We pray that his kidneys function and that you bring healing to him, but we also, God, that... I pray that you would reveal yourself to him in a way that would transform him for all eternity as he looks to you and trusts in you, knowing that, Father, life does not end on this earth, but the life we have in Jesus is eternal. Eternal life, full of glory, with joy unspeakable. Father, reveal that to Sal. and Give peace to Giovanni concerning his father and the fact that you hold his father's very life and salvation in your hand. Father, we ask this. I also just pray for wisdom, God, as this son, Lord, seeks to to know how to best care for his father and what that's going to look like moving forward. And I pray that you give, Lord, wisdom to this son and help him make decisions that he uh, will no doubt need to make in the future. And I just thank you, Father God, that when we ask for wisdom, you give to us liberally. And I pray that you do that for Giovanni. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, John? My brother, uh, Roger, is over in
1: Thailand where he's working, uh, trying to help build uh, indigenous preachers over for a preacher school. But he only has one eye.
2: Father, we lift Roger up to you. We pray for this surgery that's upcoming, that, Lord, that surgery will um, just work to perfection, that he will get that lens replaced, he will recover quickly and fully without any uh, difficulty, and that, Lord, uh, as Roger heals, uh, he will have full vision in that eye, and he will Have the grace to do the work you've called him to do there in Thailand. Father, we ask this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone else? You're here? Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like to pray for safe travel because my sister is traveling to Liberia. Okay, today. Yes, I'd like to pray to follow. All right. And what's your sister's name? Shanta? Lishan. Lishan. Well, let's pray for safe travels for Lishan, and let's also pray for uh, safe travels for um, Caleb and the Linz family that are making their way um, to Italy. Father, we pray for Lishan today as she travels to Liberia, that you um, take her there safely, and that... Lord, she's able to do all that she uh, intends to do there in Liberia. Father, we pray for the Linz family and Caleb and EJ and the family here that you pour out your peace and your grace. And that for those traveling, you just give them safe travels. And that, Lord, um, this will be a joyous time for all. Father, we ask that you would, in your grace, make this so. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Anyone else? Let's pray for the other needs of our body.
5: Would you stand with me as we let our prayers rise like incense? Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would grant healing to those yet suffering in our congregation. Josephine, Andrea, Rebecca, Zach, Paula, and Loriam. And we know others, others we know who are suffering. JoLynn, Charlie, Tom, Bill, Chippo, Tammy, Sonia, Jesse, Don, Rose, and Daniel. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Hear our prayer. We lift up Whitney and Victoria and pray they and their babies remain healthy. We lift up those who desire marriage and children, and ask that you continue blessing your church with children. Blessed be the name of the Lord, 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 the creator and sustainer Sustainer of life. Grant to this congregation and our elders wisdom and strength for our time of visitation. Make us faithful and fruitful in our labors. Lead us to the lost and wandering sheep, and bring them into your fold to join the fight and feast. Grant wisdom and direction to those considering moving and joining our community. Throw us as you see fit. Unless you build the house, we labor in vain. Make us holy as you are holy. Pour out blessings on your church and the earth today. Too many of your people are afraid of man. Make us fear you alone, that as one unified body we would trust and obey and be the faithful martyrs that you have called us to be and life even unto death. Thanks Thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We lift up Pastor Cornelius, Pastor Joel, and Pastor James and pray they would be faithful to seek and build your kingdom. Likewise, bless and refine the work of the CREC, Taylor Area Ministerial Alliance, Kingdom Economic Coalition, Shepherd's Heart, and Koinonia Classical Christian School. Do good, O oh Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. We lift up our missionaries, Gatana in Africa, Jeff in Central and South America, Alan in Mexico, and Brandon in Asia, along with their families, that they remain kingdom-focused, proclaiming the gospel boldly, no matter the cost. We ask that every need they have would be met. Arise, O oh God, judge the earth. For you you shall inherit all nations. Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into your harvest. Make us zealous witnesses to those who are yet lost or living contrary to the testimony of their baptism. Convict them of sin and grant repentance. We ask this for Daniel, Jerry, Matthew, Greg, Jonathan, Nat, Nick, Pierre, Jeannie, Lizzie, Vivian, Michaela, Dan, Austin, Angie, and Anthony. Your steadfast love love is better than life. Open their eyes to see and their lips to praise. We ask for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted for righteousness' sake to remain faithful. Make their suffering fruitful and Christ exalting. We ask this for Christine. Rise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. For governing authorities and officers locally, countywide, statewide, in our country, and across the globe, we ask that they joyfully and with fear bow before Jesus, the only wise king. He shall have Have dominion from sea to sea and from from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. dust. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Put away the sin our country, even this city calls good. We live among those who celebrate evil, suppress truth, and conspire against the Lord and against your treasured ones. We live among those who delight to violently sacrifice children. We have rejected your law and despised your holy word and therefore your anger is aroused, and the root of all who reject you will be as rottenness. Please send us revival and reformation again. Your Your judgment judgment is severe, and yet we deserve worse. We do not understand understand your ways, but you are righteous in all. Remember mercy and end abortion. Humble us and heal our land. Almighty God, you change times and seasons. You remove kings and set up kings, and you turn the hearts of our rulers wherever you will. You, you have, have made, made everything, everything for its purpose, even, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Your counsel stands forever, and in the, the thoughts of your heart to all generations. And, and so not our will, but yours be done. done. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven,
6: Bless the man that fears Jehovah, and that walketh in his ways. Thou shalt eat of thy hand's labor, and be prospered all thy days. Like a vine with fruit abounding, in thy house thy wife is found. And thy all plants thy children, compassing thy table round. And like all it plants, thy children, compassing thy table round. Lo, on him that fears Jehovah, shall this blessedness attend. For Jehovah out of Zion shall to thee his blessings send. Thou shalt see Jerusalem prosper, all thy days till life shall cease.
0: Thou shalt see thy
6: children's children Unto Israel be peace Thou shalt see thy children's children Unto Israel be peace Amen Amen. Church arise Put your armor on, hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of i can we Let us confess our faith together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ,
2: his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into Hades. On the third day he rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the
4: dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church,
6: the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life
2: everlasting. Amen. Greet those around.
7: We're going to go ahead and take our offering. Gentlemen, if you want to come forward. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are holy. You are good. Lord, we ask that your will would be done in our lives, that you would have your will be done here in this city, in our finances, in our families, in our community. Lord, you are the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You are the one who gives us all that we have, and it's for that that we are thankful, and that we give just a small portion back, but a small portion to say thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you have given us. Everything that we have, our strength, our finances, our houses, our families, our provisions are all from you. So Lord, we ask that you would move in our lives, that you would continue to Bless us as you see fit and to grow us as you see fit. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
2: Well, good morning, all. Today, we are going to uh, begin a new journey. We'll begin a journey through the Epistle of James. In a moment, I'll read our, our text. Before I read our text, I want to tell you just a little bit about this letter. This letter was written between the years 44 and 62 AD. James is writing to believers of the Jewish diaspora, that means the Jews that had been dispersed among the nations. His letter is addressed specifically, he says, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. But he's writing for all believers, both Jew and Gentile, who are now the true Israel of God in Jesus Christ. A major theme of James is that of genuine faith and perseverance in the midst of trials. Anybody ever had any trials? James presents faith as a channel of living trust and obedience in Jesus Christ that results in right behavior In that vein, persecutions, persecutions or trials are not seen as obstacles to faith, but a means through which we have the opportunity to develop perseverance that leads to spiritual maturity. Righteous living through trials and tribulations demonstrates the genuineness and the vitality of our faith. So as we begin in uh, this little letter, we call the Epistle of James, or the Book of James. We're going to look at the first four verses today as we begin. Our text will be James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we ask that you would today, as we begin our journey through the epistle of James, We ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, teach us. Lord, there's not a person here that has not experienced trial and tribulation in some form or fashion. Some have experienced great trial, seemingly overbearing trials, trials that can seem to swallow us up. But Lord, you teach us through your word that through our trials, you are producing something. And James writes this letter to those who are are under trial and under tribulation. In his letter, his words are an encouragement that our faith overcomes our trials. In fact, our faith gives witness in the midst of our trials to the glory of Christ. So, Father, teach us today by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear beyond what we see and what we feel and what we know with our natural senses. Father, increase our faith that we would have hope beyond what we can see with our eyes. And that hope in Christ and in the love that's been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit is a hope you promise will never disappoint. Father, we thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here in these uh, first four verses of James' letter, he begins by introducing himself, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is James? There are three James that we know of mentioned in the Scripture, in the uh, New Testament, This James, who wrote this letter, is the half-brother of Jesus. He once, in fact, opposed Jesus, doubted Jesus. I think it's not unfair to say that he almost made fun of Jesus. But in his letter here, he calls himself the bondservant, or the slave of God, and the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we read the Bible, we need to read and see what it says, but we also need to pay attention to what it doesn't say. James is very well aware of the fact that he is the half-brother of Jesus. But he doesn't say, James, the half-brother of Jesus, He says, James, a bondservant of God, that word bondservant literally means slave, James, a slave of God and a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he once opposed his brother Jesus, this letter indicates that James has undergone a transformation that took place in his life, causing him to go from being an unbeliever to a committed, humble disciple of Christ, who calls himself now the slave of God and the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. James became the leader of the Jerusalem church. He was beloved by the people and greatly respected even by the priests. The Jewish historian Josephus records for us that James was martyred for his faith in 62 AD at the Feast of Passover. Because he was so well loved and so well respected by the people, the leaders thought that James would be the perfect candidate to try to tamp down this Radical belief in this man, Jesus. And they had James stand up on the pinnacle or the parapet of the temple to address the people, to ask the people to not go after Jesus. But instead of trying to discourage their faith in Jesus, James pointed them Directly to Jesus. He pointed them to Jesus as the Christ. As the Christ of God and as their Messiah. And the leaders became so angry as as James stood there. Because at Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, all Jews from all over the world were gathered there. So James was speaking to an audience of Jews literally from all over the world. And what the leaders wanted James to do, James did the exact opposite. And in their anger with James, and in an effort to strike fear into the people, fear of following Jesus, they threw James down from the pinnacle of the temple. And when he did not die from the fall, they went and they stoned him and they beat him to death. The writers of scripture know something about what they write of and what they speak of. This was not the first trial James went through, but it was his last. The murder of James was another rejection of Christ. Josephus, if you read his history, which is very interesting, Josephus, did not acknowledge Jesus as his Messiah. He acknowledged the person of Jesus, the figure of Jesus. In fact, when you read the history of the Jews written by Josephus, Josephus believes that the judgment that came upon Jerusalem in the temple was in large part due to what they did to James here. That's not why it happened, but it's not accidental that eight years after this happened, just as Jesus had prophesied to the, to the exact fulfillment of the words of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, Jerusalem and the people in that city were destroyed and the temple was destroyed, just as promised by Jesus because of the rejection of that nation of their Messiah. And the murder of James was just another example of that rejection of Jesus, their Messiah. Verse 1 begins, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. We've already talked about how James calls himself a slave, a bondservant. What James is saying here is he doesn't belong to himself. He no longer considers himself his own master. His master is God. His master is the Lord Jesus Christ. James considered himself as belonging to God and belonging to Jesus. The Jesus he once rejected. The Jesus he once refused to believe in. This is the Jesus he now says owns me. I am his slave, his bond servant. James and his brothers, it's recorded in John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, where it speaks of his unbelief in Jesus, the family's unbelief. Remember, they thought Jesus had gone mad because of the things that he was saying. But here, in the opening of his letter, James presents himself in the light of full faith and complete humility and submission to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ by identifying himself as a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes specifically, he says, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. Greetings. So this greeting is a reference to the Jews that had been scattered outside of Israel by the various dispersions that had taken place over Israel's history. If you're joining us on Wednesday night's, As we work through the timeline of history, we've already covered how Israel was dispersed by the Assyrians in 722 BC. The ten tribes of the north were invaded and literally carried away and dispersed throughout the Assyrian empire. And the Assyrians sent their own people back in to inhabit the houses and the farms and the vineyards to intermarry with what was left there of the Jewish people to create what the Jews called the Samaritans, a hated race by the Jews. Then there was another dispersion. The remaining two tribes of the south, Judah and Benjamin, in 606 B.C. were carried away captive by the Babylonians and then carried away in greater measure and the destruction of the the city and the first temple occurred in 586 B.C. And so once again, now all of the 12 tribes have been dispersed throughout the nations of the world. And by the time James writes this letter, the reason we say we believe it was written between 44 and 62 AD is because in 44 AD there was another persecution that occurred So by the time James writes his letter, Jews who had long been living scattered abroad in these areas were coming to faith in Christ. Because as they came to the pilgrim festivals in Jerusalem every year, witness to Christ was given. And they would go back to their nations and they would take the gospel with them. So that the gospel literally, by the time James writes his letter, the gospel has been preached to the ends of the earth. Just as Jesus commanded that it would be. James would also have been writing to believing Jews who began to be persecuted and dispersed by Herod Agrippa, beginning with the beheading of the Apostle James. So the the book of James is not written by James the Apostle, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee. The book of James is written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. But James the Apostle, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, the sons of thunder... That James was beheaded in 44 B.C. by Herod Agrippa. And with the beheading of James began a great persecution of the Jews. And the Jews once again were driven out or dispersed. So James was writing to these Jews, once again dispersed among the nations. So he is most certainly addressing believing Jews, but also the Gentile believers who had become engrafted into Christ. In Christ, who is the true Israel of God, Christ. I want you to hear this. Christ is the true Israel of God. These believing Jews and Gentiles had now become the continuation of true Israel. This is who James is writing to. In verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. My brethren. James is no doubt referring to his Jewish brethren in the flesh, but also his brethren by new birth in the Spirit of God, who are both natural Jews and Gentiles in the flesh. But it also means that we today are his brethren by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So this letter was not written to you directly, but it was written for you directly. Count it all joy, James writes, or consider it all joy. Consider what? Consider the trials you fall into. Count it all joy. Consider it all joy. Once for all joy. He's talking about trials here. I don't want you to misunderstand what he's referring to. Count it the highest and the fullest joy. Count it unmixed joy. That's what all joy means. It's not some joy. It's all joy. This is not possible In our own human effort. But through God's grace, as we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, we come to a place, we grow to a place where we can count it all joy, unmixed joy. It doesn't change the trial, it doesn't change what's past or what's present. But it changes how we walk through those things. And the Bible is very clear here. James is very clear. And he's not making light of anyone's trials. He's saying, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you fall into... That phrase implies that you fall into something you are not looking for or planning for. These are not trials we're planning to fall into. These are not trials we're hoping to fall into. Who, who hopes to fall into a trial? Who plans to fall into? I think I need a good trial in my life. No, we don't, we don't say things like that. We don't pray for things like that. We don't have to say that. We don't have to pray for that because they, they just come to us. Because life is full of them. So it's a phrase that implies you fall into something you are not looking for, or planning to fall into. The picture here is falling into something that is surrounding you. They're all around us. It's like we walk through life and our life is, is, is over the course of a, a minefield of trials. And as, as hard as we try to avoid the minefield, and the mines. We're going to fall into trials. It's just part of life. Which is why James is writing this letter. The writers of Scripture don't live in denial. We live in denial very often, but the writers of Scripture don't live in denial. God doesn't live in denial. He did create a river in Egypt called the Nile, but it's not where we're supposed to be living. We live in reality. And the reality is, we will fall into trials. But there's a greater reality than even our trials. We'll get to that in just a moment. In that sense, that trials are all around us. We're surrounded by various trials of all sorts. And he says this. He calls them diverse or various trials. They're not just trials of one kind. or They're trials of all different kinds. The word trial is translated temptations. So the King James says, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. We, at least in my mind, I think we very often hear the word temptation and we think one thing. And we hear the word trial and we think another thing. But actually the Bible uses these words interchangeably. That is the same word that's used for the allurements or temptations to sin. When we hear temptation, that's what we're thinking about. I'm being drawn or lured into sin. Temptation. Temptations to sin come from the lust of the flesh with or without the help of our enemy. You do realize that, right? Temptations do come from our spiritual enemies of darkness, but our own flesh is as great an enemy in that sense, than anything we face. Now, Paul, but John, uh, James here is not talking about trials in the sense of being tempted to sin or, or, or participate in some type of unrighteous, licentious sin. But it is the same word used to describe our temptation to sin. That word is used here to describe the various Trials or temptations that come upon us in life. These various trials or temptations are not specifically referring to the allurement to commit sin and unrighteousness in the sense we commonly think. However, I want you to think about this. These various trials we fall into... Our trials of our body, our soul, our spirit, and they are temptations nonetheless. That means there is a way we are to handle these trials or temptations that we fall into. There is a way we are to handle them, walk through them without falling in to sin. So it's not a trial or a temptation to sin, but in any trial or any temptation, whatever the nature of it is, whether it's a physical sickness, whether it's uh, a relationship, whatever it might be, financial, there is a way we can walk through those trials. We can navigate those trials either in a sinful way or in the right way, learning how to count it all joy. Now, nowhere does the Bible say that's an easy thing to do. And I'm certainly not saying it's an easy thing to do because it's not. But it is what the Bible tells us to do. And if God tells us to do that, then there is a way that we can do that. If the Bible tells us to count it all joy, there is a way that we can count it all joy as difficult as that way may be. There are various trials connected to our faith. In fact, I believe this is really what James is referring to here. It doesn't mean it doesn't refer to any other type of trial. But these Jews, these Christians were under persecution for their faith. So there are various trials connected to our faith, such as persecutions or tribulations related directly to our faith, directly to our testimony of Jesus Christ and the the gospel of Christ. Just like James experienced when they killed him, murdered him because he pointed the people to Christ. Or just as James, the brother of John, experienced when he was beheaded by Agrippa. And the story there is that when James, the brother of John, was beheaded under Agrippa's order, the executioner was so moved by the faith of James and the steadfastness of James. He apologized to James before he took his head off. And James said to him, Peace be to you, brother. It's okay. That executioner that took the head off of James, ended up being executed himself because through the death of James, he came to faith in Christ and later went to the sword himself because of. His faith. Did God have to utilize the death of James to bring an executioner to faith? No, he didn't have to. But the testimony is, is that through the death of James, an executioner came to faith in Christ and was later executed for his faith. And the point there is that we need to understand that our trials are not just about us. We're very focused on us as we're walking through our trials. But your trials, my trials, are never just about us. In fact, they're not mostly about us. They are about the Lord, the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory So there are various trials we can go through concerning our faith. But what about when we experience various trials that are not related to our faith? Those various trials that don't make sense to us. When I think about being persecuted for my faith, there's, there's, there's a way that that kind of makes sense to me. I, I understand when I stand up for righteousness and people who oppose righteousness and people who oppose God and people who oppose the Scripture, when I take a stand for those things, I, I understand that they're persecuting me, that they're saying ugly things about me, writing ugly things about me, trying to cancel me from the culture. You know, they haven't, they haven't gotten to the point yet where they're going to push us off a building and beat us to death. We're not there yet, but there is the trial and the tribulation that we have become familiar with in our own culture and, and when we are opposed for righteousness sake, there's something about that that makes sense. But what about when we experience various trials that are not related to our faith? I'm just living my life and I'm loving Jesus and I'm trying to take care of my family and do the right thing every day and this has come upon me. Those various trials that do not make sense to us, What do we do with those? We do the same. We are to count it all joy. That means we count it all joy for the trials related to our faith. And we count it all joy for the trials that come to us for any reason or for no reason that we can discern. In all things, we count it all joy and we rejoice. We prayed for people here today who have been diagnosed with cancer. They tell us cancer is a disease, and I don't doubt that. But if you don't think that we have an enemy who uses sickness and disease against us to destroy our faith, to wear us down, to weary us down, so that we throw out our faith in God, because we can't make sense of the trial, because we are too tired, we're in too much pain, we're too this, we're too that, and I cannot count it all joy. That's where the enemy wants to take every one of us in this room. That's exactly where he wants to take us, and he will use any means that he can So when we pray against, when we fight against, when we war against, when we stand against those things, understand you're not just standing against a sickness or a disease. You are standing against the enemy who seeks your life, who seeks to destroy your life. But more importantly, he wants to destroy your faith. And he will he will. Rejoice. He will rejoice in the trials and tribulations you're going through as he is seeking to destroy your faith. And we can be tempted to be drawn to and focused on that enemy and that trial, but that's not where our focus should be. That's not where we should be drawn to. We should be focused on the Lord. We should be drawn to the Lord in the midst of the trial. Because the Lord is working. He is working through our various trials that we fall into. We are commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. And for good measure, the Apostle Paul emphasizes, and again I say rejoice, Philippians 4.4. 4. We can do this because we know that whatever various trials we fall into are used by God for His sovereign purpose in His sovereign will. God is never not Lord. He is never not the sovereign God, sovereign over everything. He is never not in control. Never. 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 Do not let the enemy make you think that he is not. He's not some maniacal God who just throws you out there and waits to see what's going to happen to you among all the wolves. No, that's not who God is. God is not coming behind us. God has long gone before us and has prepared a path for us. And our paths will involve various trials. That is for certain. And our focus should be upon him. We should be drawn to him, not the trial. I want to point out an important distinction concerning the various trials we fall into. There are there are all they are all a result of the fall that occurred because of man's original sin. Whatever trial, whatever tribulation, Whatever suffering you may experience in this life, whatever, if we can say this, whatever bad things that may happen to us in life, they are all a result of the fall that occurred because of man's original sin. But I want you to hear me. They are not all a result of your own personal sin. I hear this all the time as I'm ministering to people, praying with people, going through various trials. I just don't know what I've done to to cause this to happen to me. I just don't know what I've done that God would do this to me. Listen, God is well aware of your trial and he's ordained you to go through that trial. But it's not because you've done something wrong. Maybe because you've done something right. Life is filled with various temptations or trials because the fallen world we live in is under the curse of sin. Sickness and death and diverse hardships and tragedies abound all around us in our fallen world. We all are sinners who fall short of the glory of God. But all of our trials are not a direct result of our personal sin and our personal falling short. It is true they are always a result of man's original sin in the beginning. It was man's original sin in the beginning that brought death and the curse upon all mankind and upon all creation. There is something called cancer because man's sin and the curse has come as a result of man's sin. But cancer is something that will not last into eternity. It is temporal. And so don't focus on the temporal on the scene, focus on the eternal and the unseen. Focus on the Lord who is Lord even over cancer and over everything the enemy wants to do through that to you. Focus on Him. When you find yourself in a trial that your own personal sin has contributed to, and that happens to us, right? I can make bad choices, bad decisions, and I can suffer the consequences Of my sin, even though God forgives me, he doesn't always deliver us from the consequences of our poor choices or of our sin. Well, what happens when you find yourself in a trial that is the result of your own personal sin or you've contributed to it somehow? Well, what you do is you repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus. And then you count it all joy, knowing that he is faithful to forgive you and to save you through your trial. Through, we walk through the valley of the shadow. He doesn't always translate us over the valley. He says, nope, you're going to walk through it. But here's the good news. He never sends us through the valley that he does not accompany us. He walks with us through the valley. His rod and his staff remind us of his ever abiding presence. This is why the Word of God is so important. When you find yourself in a trial that you have fallen into that you did not cause or you did not contribute to, and it's out of your control, as they very often are, what are we to do? We're to count it all joy. Rejoice in the Lord, thank Him, pray to Him, and trust in Jesus in fact, whatever or wherever you find yourself, whether in the dark valley of trial or on the bright mountaintop, count it all joy. Easy to do on the mountaintop, right? Not as easy to do in the valley. But the Bible doesn't say count it all joy when you're on the mountain, but despair when you're in the valley. It says, no, you count it all joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Thank him, pray to him, trust in him, count it all joy. We all experience various trials. Every person suffers under the curse of the fall. Death is the clearest picture of this that we have. We know the curse is still in effect because death is still working in us and all around us. In that sense, we all have been victimized by the fall. But in Jesus Christ, I want you to hear me, church. In that sense, we've all been victimized by the fall, but in Jesus Christ, we are no longer victims. We live in a culture that loves victimhood, that highlights victimhood, that wants to repay everyone because somebody somewhere back long ago was victimized, which makes us all victims. That is So unbiblical, that is so anti-Christ, I can't even begin to express it. And no Christian should be celebrating victimhood. No Christian should be highlighting someone's victimhood. We should be celebrating Christ, the victor, and we should be pointing people to the fact that in Christ they are no longer victims. In Christ we are now victors. Death will touch every one of us. It has been appointed unto man to die once. But death has no power over those who are in Christ. Christ is the resurrection and the life and he has defeated death in his life. I want you to get this. The various trials that you fall into, however they come, however they come to you, however you fall into them, are a real and constant part of life. But here is the truth that transcends that reality. In Jesus Christ, you are no longer a victim, but you are now the victor. You are victorious, for he has already won for us the victory. Yes, even over death, which is the last enemy that will one day be placed under his feet. Death swallowed up in his life. Death that now is will one day be no more for all eternity. Though trials still abound, you are no longer a victim in Jesus Christ. But the trials you experience are testing your faith to produce something glorious in you. Listen to the words of the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do not look at the temporary trial you can see, but look by faith to the eternal glory you do not yet see. Know that it is weighty beyond this world and that it is eternal And you may not be able to see that weight of glory that God is preparing. But the scripture says you can see Jesus. That's why Jesus lived openly. He was crucified openly. He was resurrected openly. We can see Jesus even though we cannot yet see all things under his feet. They're there. They're waiting to be finally and completely put under. Even death that is still allowed to roam around, but his time is limited. James goes on in verse 3 and he says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This word knowing is interesting. The word knowing here is associated with knowledge that comes by experience. We may count it all joy when we fall into various trials because we have come to know something. We have come to know what we have actually experienced. We are to count it all joy because the Scripture teaches and commands us to. So we know what the Scripture commands us. So I don't have to wonder, should I count it all joy? Or is this, do I get an exception here? No, you count it all joy because that's what the Scripture commands us to do. But knowing means we do so because we have experienced what we are supposed to do. That's what this word here means. It's an experiential knowledge. There's knowing because we're supposed to do it, and there's knowing because we've actually experienced it. These are similar things, but they're also two different things. For example, I can read a book about riding a bicycle. I can talk to bicycle riders. I can watch bicycle riders and see the joy and the exhilaration that comes from riding their bike. I do this with my grandkids. I sit on the porch and I watch my grandkids ride their bike. And I mean, there's just like exhilaration, joy. It's just like they're they're a happy place when, when they're riding their bike. I can have lots of good and helpful information about bike riding, but it is not the same as riding a bike. I will never know what riding a bike will produce in me until I actually ride one. It's only in the experience of actually riding that I can experience knowing what that is. This is what James is describing here. This is what James is talking about when he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This knowing is a knowledge that comes from experience. It's experimental knowledge. It comes only from experience. The only way to know and to hold the view of trials as all joy. I want you to get this. This is what James is telling us to do. We are to hold the view of trials as all joy. What's this trial you're going through? It's all joy. What? Yeah, it's all joy. I don't think you understand my question. No, I don't think you understand my answer. The only way to know and to hold the view of trials as all joy is through the experience. That means you must go through the trial in order to know it as all joy. We will not do that on our own because we don't choose to go through trials. We try to avoid them at any cost. We will not do that on our own, but God knows the how, the why, the when, and the what of all the various trials He ordains us to walk through. And if He didn't ordain us to walk through them, we wouldn't walk through them. I know it's not easy, but we must trust Him. There is no other way to count it all joy. This is not to say that such experiences are pleasant, because they're not. As we count them all joy. But it is to say that such experiences are producing something in us. That testing, that the testing of your faith. Count it, knowing that the testing of your faith. We count it all joy knowing that the testing of your faith. The testing of your faith is that which proves Or tests the genuineness of your faith. The various trials you fall into can be counted all joy knowing that your proved or your tested genuine faith produces patience. Fake faith doesn't produce that. Genuine faith does. Your faith is tested so that it is genuine. Because God uses your genuine faith to produce something glorious in you and through you. Peter also writes about the genuineness of your faith. That word translated testing in James is the word Peter uses when he writes about the genuineness of your faith. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness, that's that word testing in James, that the genuineness of your faith. Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your genuine faith is to show forth in the various trials you fall into. It is in the midst of those trials that your tested faith, your genuine faith, will give witness to Christ, who is your unfailing hope in life and in death. This is when your faith becomes a channel of living trust that is demonstrated as you walk through various trials. It is the testing of your faith that is producing in you a patience or perseverance or endurance that you can obtain no other way. Thus, the testing of your faith produces patience. And it is only by the experience of such temptations or trials that we know the testing of our faith is producing something in us. The testing of your faith is producing patience or perseverance or endurance. All three of those words are used in Scripture to describe the same thing that that your faith, the testing of your faith is producing. Paul writes about a similar theme in his letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 verses 3 through 5. Paul writes, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. The word translated patience in James 1.3 is the same word translated perseverance in Romans 5.3. Patience, perseverance, endurance. These are words communicating the same thing. This is what God is producing in us through the various tribulations, temptations, or trials he allows us to go through. As you go through the various trials you fall into, you are to know that God is producing something in you as your faith is being tested. You are to know that the patient endurance that he is producing in you will ultimately produce a hope. That does not disappoint. This is not to say that you will not or you have not experienced disappointments in your life. You have and you surely will again, every one of us. This is teaching us that what God is producing through your tribulations, through your disappointments, if you will, is producing a hope that does not disappoint. It does not disappoint because his love has been poured into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. And his love never fails. Our bodies may fail. The lights may fail. Our plans may fail. But his love never fails. I pray his love has been poured into your heart. And if you question that today. Then cry out to him. Call upon his name and you will be saved. Keep calling upon his name to keep experiencing his love and to find the hope in him that does not disappoint because there is hope found in no other place and no other one but Christ. It is in that hope that does not disappoint that you will find yourself counting it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You can know that God is producing something that will not disappoint even when you do not understand His ways. And that is very often the case. Our final verse, verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing, but let patience have its perfect work. Let's look at verses 2 through 4 in the flow of its context. James writes, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. There is not only an encouragement here, but I see a warning. The warning is to let patience have its perfect work. It reminds me of Paul's line in his letter to the Galatians where he says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for we will reap in due season if we do not lose heart. This is what James is saying. Let patience have its perfect work. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't throw out your hope because of your trial. Look beyond your trial and look to your hope that is eternal. Your trial is temporary, but your hope in Christ is eternal. And the warning is to let patience have its perfect work that So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We must let patience have its perfect work, even when we're tempted not to. The word translated perfect in verse 4 is a word that implies coming to full maturity or to the finish. Let patience have its full and finished work. There is a purpose that God is working. There is something God is producing And we want to make sure that we let that work come to full maturity, to the finish that God has intended for it. Let patience have its full and finished work. Why must we let patience have its perfect work? And the answer is in the last half of the verse. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God uses the various trials you fall into, no matter what they are or why they come, to bring about the perfect or finished work of patience in you. This is not to be confused with and has nothing to do with the finished work of Christ. That has already been perfected and completed. When Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, it was finished. But there is still a work that's being worked out in each one of us. It's why Paul writes in Philippians two, twelve, and 13, work out your own salvation With fear and trembling. He's not talking about the finished work of Christ on the cross. He's talking about the very things we're talking about here. How is that salvation worked out with fear and trembling in our lives? It's worked out as we fall into various trials. It's worked out as God produces in us through the testing of our faith. The patience that he wants to be completed. Brought to maturity. Brought to the finish in us. that perfect work will be made manifest in your life as you are being made fully mature and finished. As you walk out your faith consistent with and conform to Christ. Remember, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And what good work God has begun in you, He has promised to finish, to complete, even until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6. It's one of the greatest promises in Scripture. We find ourselves in various trials and we wonder, has God is God mad at me? Has God rejected me? Is this why I'm going through this? No. It's the exact opposite. His promise is that he will complete the work he has begun in you, in Jesus Christ. Even until that day when Jesus comes back to this earth, God does not stop working in you. Your trial is ordained by God because... God is working something in you, through you, for you. You might not have chosen that trial for yourself. Maybe someone else chose it for you. Maybe maybe the universe, as people say, the universe chose this for me. Well, listen. Trust in Jesus and know that God has, has ordained your trial and you can walk through it counting it all joy by the grace that God will give to you in Jesus Christ. To be complete is to lack nothing. It is to have all the associated parts. It's to be whole. To be made perfect and complete is to come to fullness and maturity while lacking nothing. Think of a person who matures into a full-grown adult and has all the parts and members that make him a complete human being with a complete body. He not only is fully mature physically, emotionally, and spiritually, but he is lacking nothing of his whole person. Thus, he is complete. There will be no incomplete people in heaven. There will be no people missing anything in heaven. In fact, the Bible says in, in Colossians, Paul writes, you are complete in him right now. How does God see you right now? He sees you complete You're aware of all your faults, all your failings, all that you lack. But in Christ, the Father sees you complete in the Son. How are we to see ourselves? We are to see ourselves the same way the Father sees us, complete in Jesus Christ. Not because we have it all together, not because we don't fail, not because we don't sin, but because in spite of all of that, Christ has saved us and the Father sees us complete in His Son. In Christ, there is nothing missing. We are coming to the knowledge and experience of that in this life, even and especially in the various trials that we fall into. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's prepare to come to the Lord's table. This table is a reminder each week Of what Christ has done for us. Not just saving us from hell. But saving us in this life. And giving us the grace to even call our trials. All joy. That may sound impossible to you right now. And I'm not saying it doesn't to me as well. But I know what scripture teaches. I know My Lord does not make mistakes. And I'm left in the midst of the trials we fall into. I'm left counting it all joy because there is nothing else for us to do. And to count it all joy as we trust him. Amen. You are welcome to this table. You are welcome to Jesus Christ as covenant members of his body. Christian, welcome to Jesus and welcome to the table.
6: The Lord hear thee in troubled times, may Jacob's God defend thee and send out strength from Zion's hill.
2: Father, we thank you for the grace given to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we read your word. We see your commands. We see the encouragement you give us. And sometimes, Father, it seems impossible. How can we, fallen into various trials, count it all joy, When the trials can seem so overwhelming. But yet, that is exactly what you tell us. And the only reason our trials seem so overwhelming is because we do not yet have an overwhelming view of Jesus Christ who has overcome every trial, every temptation. Father, our prayer today is that you would give us a view of Jesus that makes our trials and our tribulations so small, so insignificant, that we can do nothing but count it all joy. Father, we come to this table reminded each week that Jesus Christ gave up his body and his blood so that we could do that very thing. And we come to this table and we eat the bread and we drink the wine and we are renewed in this covenant so that we can go out and walk through our trials and manifest our faith and give glorious witness to you who is so much greater, whose love never fails, even in the greatest trial. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the body. That was sacrificed for us on the cross. We eat this bread with thankful hearts and we proclaim the body of Christ. In the same manner. He also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ that takes away our sin, that clothes us in righteousness so that the Father in heaven looks upon us and sees us complete in his Son. Father, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the new covenant in that blood, and we drink this cup with thankful hearts, proclaiming the blood of Christ. I'm going to give you your charge. I'm going to, um, we'll sing the doxology and I'll give you the benediction and then we'll pray for our food and be dismissed to go next door for lunch. Here's your charge. Life is full of trials. It's not whether we will fall into them and walk through them, but how or when or where. Will we count it all joy or will we count it all anger and bitterness and disappointment? How we walk through our trials will in large part determine the answer to that question. You can walk through the trials of life knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You can walk through trials knowing and looking by faith to the hope and the eternal weight of glory that God is working for you, in you, or you don't have to. You can let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Or you can refuse to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and trust Him to produce in you what you cannot produce in yourself. You must choose to be His willing bondservant in love. Or you will choose to serve yourself thinking you can gain more for yourself than what you can gain from Him alone. In reality, we will lack everything if we resist His work in us. For it is only as you learn to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, that you will let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. To Him be all the glory. Amen? amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we think or ask according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Father, we ask that you bless the food next door. We thank you for all that is prepared for us, all that awaits us, let it be nourishment to our bodies to strengthen us for your service. Father, I bless each one here today, and I pray that you would be glorified as we are edified in our fellowship and in our meal today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord be with you. <coughs>
3: Yeah.